series has kind of rounded out. I, when I got scheduled, I was about every other week, and I thought, oh, every other week, I can't quite put one coherent thread through it, because it's going to, how is that going to work? And I've just kind of been, and obviously we try to design it, Jer Jeremiah and, and Megan and the team, we try to design things, but it's worked even better than I thought, and it's been really good, so <laughs> praise Jesus. Um, but yeah, so this morning what I want to do is not my strong suit. I've never been graded well. We're going to get it. We're going to make it practical this morning. We're going to talk about what we do. Does that make sense? So we've been talking a lot about different abstract ideas or concepts of discipleship or all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, like we're still keep coming back to this. Okay, but what does it look like? What do I do? And um, I never got graded well on that in, in college. I always said, you are horrible at action points. And I said, yeah, I am. And like, you got to tell people what to do. And I'm like, people aren't that stupid. They, know, like, they can do this, some of their own work themselves. Um, and they insisted that you guys were, in fact, that stupid and are not capable of doing that work. <laughs> so here I am. Um, so take good notes. I'm just kidding. Um, but what I'm going to do today is we want to talk about the how of discipleship. Like, how do we actually do this? And that is, in essence, what I do all the other days of the week with the organization that I lead, which is called Impact Campus Ministries. Now, I have worked really hard to not just get up here every single, I'm up, every single time I'm up here and talk about Bema or Impact, um, because that's just distasteful. And today I'm going to try to do it in a very tasteful way. But it would be impossible for me to, like, it would actually be more awkward if I tried to avoid it than if I talked about it. And some of you have even come up and said, we really don't know what Impact is or what Bema is, or what you even do. Uh, could you talk about that sometime? So this morning is a chance for me to maybe share some of that. Um, and at the end, the call will not be to join Impact Campus Ministries. The call will be to follow Jesus, so don't worry. Um, thank you for the chuckle. I'm glad that showed up. But for us, the how of discipleship, start at least it can in some situations, start with one of our favorite verses. It comes from the book of Ezra, of all places. But I love this verse because of how it works with our, uh-oh, tell me it's not going to, okay, there we go. Woo, panic on the clicker. Um, Ezra 7.10, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach the statutes and ordinances in Israel. There's kind of three parts that we identify in that verse, not to make it too mechanical, but for the sake of making it somewhat mechanical, we kind of look at three different parts there. He had set his mind. So this is something intentional. We talked about intention two weeks ago. This is intentional. He set his heart resolutely to study the law of the Lord. Different translations will word that differently. There is some kind of intentional pursuit on his behalf. Then there is a doing it portion. So it's not just going to Bible study. It's not just memorizing the Bible. It's not just getting a seminary degree. It's actually living that out and walking that out. And then there's a third component, which is teaching others to do the same. Or as it words it, uh, and to teach the statutes and ordinances of Israel. So there is a pursuit from Ezra. There is a modeling, an intentional modeling in Ezra's walk. And then there's also an instruction of others, an invitational instruction in Ezra's walk. Three different parts. We call it an impact pursue, model, and teach. So you can already get to feel like, ooh, this is going to get really practical. There's a formula coming here. And there is, but before we go there, <laughs> let's remind ourselves of something that I feel like Megan was touching on last week. Because there's something in the, particularly probably the Western American evangelical church, I would probably even guess, I couldn't speak to this, but probably the white 
Western evangelical space where we love to gravitate towards mechanical formulas. Give me the one, two, three. I'm in marketing right now for my book that comes out in February. And the team is like, you have to do seven ways to blah, blah, blah. You have to make posts about the five ways to save your life or whatever. Thank you for chuckling at that. And I'm just like, ugh. Because we love these compartmentalized, right? And even as I just said a moment ago, we've been in this series on discipleship. We're talking about concepts, and there's still some of our personalities more than others. We're like, okay, but what do I do? And so here we go. We're going to talk about what we do, and we have to be careful that we don't cut the corner past the, the one thing that truly matters. Like there's a thing, like sometimes when we're handed a formula, we just go, great, and we miss the thing that actually gives the formula any substance and I would say power in that conversation. Does that make sense? So we have an impact. Uh, one of the things that we call our special sauce. I have one particular. We didn't want it to be secret sauce. Because then it, we didn't want. Like it's not a secret. We want to give it away to anybody who cares. We want it to be special sauce. But he informed me. His name's Brent. Some of you may know him. And he said special sauce is always mayonnaise based. And I'm not having it. And I have worked that long, uh, I, have, I have struggled to find a special sauce that's not mayonnaise-based, and darn it, he's right. Um, so I don't know what to do about that, but nevertheless, we call it our special sauce. It's our definition of success. There's going to be uh, three paragraphs here. I love this. I absolutely have grown to, this is, it's the one thing that we feel like God gave our organization at Impact Campus Ministries to steward, and he said, steward this well. And I can tell you this is the one thing that whenever we do this, God blesses it. It's just the gift that he's, he's asked us to steward. He probably asked churches and other organizations to steward. This is just a piece he's given us to steward. We're not real good at much of anything else, are we, Sarah? But we're really good at this. We're really good at this. I'm not sure. We always try to like get out and try to be good at other things. And God's like, just can you just do the thing? Can you just do the thing, please? That's the only thing I really want you to care about. This is, this is our special sauce, man. This is... This is it. And I think this is going to be right down UCC's alley. I think this is going to be like, I think Megan's going to be doing a dance in the back of the room for this. What is success? Like we talk about success. This is like America. Hashtag America. What is success? Success is developing intimacy with God and community with each other through a living relationship with Jesus. Success is developing intimacy with God. It, with with, with y'all. Success is developing intimacy with God and relationships with other people. That's success. That's success. And I, and I know, okay, that's really, that's, that's super cliche and, and simplified. I remember the first time I heard this, I like, well, that's a great cop-out. And the more I've grown with this, the more I'm like, no, that's actually it. And that's the hard work. There's two more paragraphs, so, so it'll be okay. By the time we're done, it'll be okay. We believe that an individual who is developing intimacy with God in the context of Christian community will make an impact for the kingdom of God. So success is developing intimacy with God in relationships with other people. And we believe that when you do that, you will make an impact. Like the impact is not like part two. The impact is the byproduct of developing intimacy with God with relationships with other people. Simple? Yes. And so we're all doing it because it's so duh, right? I, I think I heard a, huh. <laughs> yeah, this is so simple, and, and yet we, this is like what's well, so hard. It's so simple and yet so difficult to do at the same time, right? Next program. 
The third prayer is my favorite, so just hold on, hold on, hold on. A team of individuals that is making an impact for the kingdom of God will have a fruitful ministry. So we believe that success is developing intimacy with God in relationship with other people, that when you do that, you will make an impact. A team of individuals that is making an impact for the kingdom of God will have a fruitful ministry. Though we do not aim for making an impact, we do not aim for for fruitful ministries, we recognize that these two things will supernaturally occur when individuals develop intimacy with God in Christian community. Now now do you see what I mean by cutting the corner? Because usually all of the the things I was taught about, not all of, this would be too harsh, but in Bible college, I was taught how to grow a ministry. I was taught how to bear fruit. Like we cut the corner to the impact. And, and I had one class in Bible college, 101 level, because it's so simple and basic. That was titled Christian Life, freshman level. They taught me how to pray and stuff. And then we spent the next three and a half years learning how to grow churches. Right? And I'm not, that's easy to throw stones at. I, I get it. I mean, that's what the education was for. Maybe a few more levels, though. Maybe a 200 and a 300 and a 400 level class on building intimacy with God. Maybe. Just a suggestion. But does that make sense? We just cut the corner. But the fruit, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Last paragraph. Ministry is the product of our love for God. An expression of a heart devoted to God. Listen to this line. We must not allow ministry for God to crowd intimacy with God out of our lives. We can't allow serving God to crowd out the relationship that actually produces anything worth kingdom value. So we have to keep focused on the right thing. But now my favorite line, we cannot control making an impact or fruitful ministry. We cannot control making an impact or fruitful ministry. We have absolute control over developing intimacy with God and being devoted to one another. Here's the crazy farce of everything that I was taught and learned. I can't control any of that from God's perspective. I can't control the fruit that God wants, because I don't bear the fruit. You know what passage is coming next. I don't bear the fruit. Jesus bears the fruit. I can't control the impact, because if I controlled the impact, I would measure it by whose metrics? Mine, the world's, ours. And here's the thing, we don't see it from God's perspective. We don't see the things that are super important. So we end up bearing all the wrong fruit. So we can't control kingdom impact. We can control worldly impact. We can't control kingdom fruitfulness. We can control worldly fruitfulness, and we fall for it all the time. Here's the only thing that we can control, a healthy pursuit of intimacy with God and our relationships with other people. That's the only thing we can control. And through that, Jesus is going to bear the fruit. You know what passage is coming next? It's... Go ahead. John 15, I am the mind. Good job. I was starting to get worried there for a moment. I was like, oh, man. John 15, I am the true vine. My father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Remain in me as I remain in you. Just as, a, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus says, here's a great metaphor for you. I am the vine and you are the branch thingies that come out of it. 
and, and the fruit will be born through you, but you are not the thing that produces it. You are the thing that the fruit hangs off of, but the vine itself produces fruit. You have one job, and that's just to make sure you stay connected to the vine. Everything else will be done through the vine. Just stay connected to the vine. And I would say in relationship with other people, because a vine with one branch is really weird. Thank you. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Apart from me you can do nothing. But I'm sure we've probably never gotten distracted and started doing a whole bunch of things and lost our connection with Jesus. I'm sure we've never probably done a whole bunch of things in the name of Jesus with like a Jesus sign, like a banner that we got made, and we put it up there, it says Jesus in blinking lights. Of course it's easy to do this. Of course it's easy to cut the corner. We're out here doing Jesus' work. And yet, is there any connection to the vine? Because it's the only thing that actually bears fruit. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. I think we love to focus on verse 8 and forget the first 7. Right? We love to do we love that verse. My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Jesus is glorified when we bear fruit. But for seven verses he said, but you can't, so just stay connected to me and I'll take care of the rest. And then my Father gets glorified by that process. This is why this is why and see this is why I love this church is because in so many ways like the values and the practices and the DNA of this place like it was hard to go to a lot of other they they, they don't have this DNA a lot of the churches I've been involved with but this place did I, I love that we spent what nine months Megan led us on a she basically just repackaged spiritual formation for nine months here right right Megan that's what you did that's it's their heart so every time she gets up here you hear some version of spiritual formation because that's how God has wired her. And so from, from January, from the beginning of January, we had like four different sermon series, which is all just basically spiritual formation repackaged. It was about growing deep roots and then, and then letting that transformation happen and then emerging in the summer. And then we just called it what it was and called it spiritual formation this fall. Why? Because that's the one thing that matters. Without that, without abiding and remaining in the vine, it will not matter what strategies we come up, come up with to reach the campus. It will not matter. It will not matter what strategies we come up with to grow this place or even to have healthy small groups or anything else that we might set out to do. Without a healthy, abiding relationship, successful intimacy with Jesus, without that, nothing else will matter. And really, the, when push comes to shove, you may not be able to see much of any of this fruit above the surface. Where are the college students? I don't know, but I promise you this. Don't forsake your relationship with Jesus to drag in a bunch of college students. That will be a big F. Maybe a D minus because Jesus is full of grace. <laughs> Close, but no cigar. Okay, like, does that make sense? Like, we can't cut the corner. Now, once we have this, well, now we can go back to what was Ezra doing? Well, Ezra was doing this, maybe Old Testament style, maybe pre-Jesus, but this is what Ezra was doing. 
Ezra, Ezra, Ezra was this priest. Listen, Ezra was a priest. He had plenty of formulas to follow. He had lots of structure. He, his life was governed by the book of Leviticus. But he came back. He had plenty to keep him busy. But he came back with his heart set resolutely to study the word of the Lord, to not just do it in the temple, but to live it out in front of other people and instruct others on in how to do it. Like he was going above and beyond. He, there was the priestly duties he had, and then there was like, okay, but we have to bring this God thing to everybody. And that's what he set out to do. He was pursuing, he was modeling. Let's go back to that because I have the clicker. I have the power. There we go. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach the statutes and ordinances in Israel. That's above, that's above his call of duty as a priest. And yet the Bible will tell his story because of it. There's, there's a role that he plays, and it deeply shapes the community of God. He disciples people. And it made a big difference in the folks that returned, the remnant that returned to Jerusalem. So here's how we talk. Here's, now we can close off with the formula. Is everybody excited? The formula, yes! But now, but now hopefully the formula is merely a vehicle to get the power where it's going. Like hopefully now everything's in its proper place. The first thing is pursue. And the short version of this would just be the abiding that we talked about in John 15. Just the abiding. The remaining. What does it mean to pursue God passionately? It means to... It, and it could mean a lot of things. We define it. This is common language for us at Impact. Our definition that's on our poster. I was going to bring the poster and I forgot, Sarah. I was going to have both posters up here. It's going to be amazing. Um, that might have been a, a bridge too far. Who knows? But pursue is intentionally engaging in spiritual practice. This is why we spent, again, these last nine months of 2022 talking about what does it look like to be spiritually formed. So we talked about things like prayer or baptism or all of these spiritual practices that we engage in because this is how you remain in the vine. It's not the only way you can remain in the vine. It's how Christians for 2,000 years have found if we're going to intentionally make sure we're abiding in Jesus, there's got to be some way that guides our abiding. And these are ways that have guided our abiding. So whether it's, it's spiritual contemplative prayer or Lectio Divina or Sabbath and solitude and silence, I sat out in a deer blind this week. It was beautiful. I fell asleep. <laughs> this is not, I'm not joking. I woke up. The guy who owns the property was texting me. He says, there's a deer standing right in front of you. What are you doing? <laughs> I literally woke up and looked out the deer blind. I, I had to like double blink because I thought like, am I looking at the right thing? Deer standing broadside. I didn't kill her. Don't worry. Um, I just had to reach for my bow. It was, it was too late. Um, Silence. I love sitting out in these Ohio woods. They're different than the woods that I come from. Um, they're not as nice, but they are nice. <laughs> they are nice. And the colors are fantastic. Um, and somewhere throughout that day, multiple times throughout the day, who did I find myself talking to? Of course. Of course. This is what it means to remain and abide to create space. I think we talked earlier this year about creating space for God. If you create space for God, he'll fill it. What does that look like? How do you create space? Spiritual practice. And so we'll hear Jeremiah or Megan talk about getting away on prayer retreats, going yet again to the Abbey of Gethsemane. And you're like, Megan again? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what it looks like to abide. Right? Um, yeah. 
abiding, intentionally engaging in spiritual practices. Because if you're not creating space to make sure you're connected to the vine, the vine doesn't get a chance. Okay, so what's next? Well, then there's the, there's the model. We, we define it as pursuing God in front of others. So we just talked about pursuing God. What was pursuing God? Test time. Intentionally engaging in spiritual practices. So now you do that in front of other people. You do that in front of other people. I love uh, one of the statements that our vice president at Impact makes. He says, uh, just because you wear clothes doesn't make you a model. <laughs> yes, correct. What is it that makes you a model? You wear clothes on purpose in front of others for the purpose of being seen. That's what makes you a model. So to model our spirituality doesn't just mean doing it. To model it would be to do it in front of others on purpose so that they could, this is why we talked about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we talked about these, what, 17, 19 verses in the New Testament that talk about follow my example as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We have given you an example to follow. Follow the examples set by your leaders, book of Hebrews. All these mentions about examples. What is that? There's something intentional. Ezra set his mind to study the law of the Lord, pursue, and do it, live it out. Not in a corner. And whenever we have this conversation, there's always this weird thing where somebody's like, well, Jesus said, make sure that people don't see your spirituality. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Yes, that is correct. He was speaking of motivation. In the same sermon, he also said, let your good deeds shine before men. Let your light shine before men so that they would see your good deeds. So apparently... He still wants those deeds to be seen. He just wants your motivation to not be in the scene. Does that make sense? If that's your motivation, then that's a really sucky reward. But if your motivation is truly intimacy with Jesus, and now you're trying to teach other people how to find intimacy with Jesus, well, now we're on to something. Because now they're praising not you, but God. Let them see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. So there's a pursuit, and then there's a model. So it's one thing to get together at Starbucks on Thursdays at 7 a.m. and talk about memorizing your Bible, but there are people in that group, I promise, that are like, I don't know how to memorize my Bible. <laughs> and it feels like probably it should be self-explanatory, but there are so many people that have a million questions. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I remember trying to memorize my Bible, and I could never, like, I would get started never finished. Get started, never finished. Because, and, and, and Ray Vanderlaan, my teacher, had to tell me, Marty, quit trying to stack. And I'm like, what are you talking about, stack? He says, well, you go to memorize the book of Matthew, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you memorize Matthew 1. Uh, you know, and, and I'm like, sure. And then he says, and then the next week you go memorize Matthew 1 and add Matthew 2, right? And then the third week you try to memorize Matthew 3 and add it to 1 and 2. He's like, knock it off. Just memorize one chapter a week. And I was like, oh, well, that's easier. I can do that. And it's not actually a chapter a week. I did that for the sake of illustration. But somebody had to teach me how to memorize. Because I had all these other expectations of what memorization was supposed to look like. Does that make sense? So, there, there's, so there's also a teaching component to this. There's an instructing others and furthering the discipleship process. So there's a pursuit. Let me go back because I have the clicker. There's a pursuit. I, I intentionally engage in spiritual practices. I then do that pursuit in front of others. So I'm literally memorizing. I would, I would do this with students. I had seven college students when I was back when I used to do campus ministry. I would have seven college students that would come over to my garage office. I called it the garage office. <laughs> my office was in my garage. It was great. 
And we would all get together and we would all memorize at the same time, simultaneously, in the garage. Because they needed to see me do it. I was the only one that would stand up and pace. One day, about a year and a half into it, one of my disciples was like, why do you pace when you do this? It drives us crazy. I'm like, I'm so glad you asked. And I talked about why pacing, why Jews do davening, why Jews will always walk as they memorize, because there's something that happens, and now we have the science behind it. EMDR therapy, does anybody? Oh, so many people are nodding right now. Something happens in your brain when you do the right, left, right, left. That like, there's, I don't understand it. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a neurochemist or anything like that, and I'm probably not even saying the words correctly. But there's something in your brain that opens up your neural pathways to your retention bank. Who knew the Jews did? <laughs> they just didn't know they knew, but they knew. And so we got to talk about that. What, what is that? It's, it happens because I'm modeling it. They could just get up and follow me. Like they could literally get up and mimic me and have no idea. Why are we doing this? What's he doing? So that's where teaching comes in. Because at some point you actually have to possess the pursuit of intimacy yourself. It's one thing to mimic and to imitate. It's another thing to possess it at such a level that you understand it. You know what it is to succeed. You know what it is to fail. Like my disciples needed to know that I have been memorizing the text for two or three years and feel like I'm in a spiritual drought. I don't memorize the text and walk out of there every Friday you know, afternoon like, yes, Jesus is on fire in my heart. No, I go through all kinds of, that's not why I do this. I don't do this to get a warm fuzzy. They, they need to hear that. Does that make sense? This is discipleship. This is teaching people how to abide in the vine. Because we have all kinds of weird ideas of what it is and what it isn't in our head. And so we read John 15, and we have a season of like summer camp high, and then, we, and then that kind of goes away, and we feel like we're failing, and God is angry at us, and what do we stop doing? Abiding in the vine. This is what discipleship is. Discipleship is teaching. That's why it's so cool. Two weeks ago when I said, we have a whole college campus here with students that will come through here for three to four years and then go, what if the one thing we give them is the opportunity to know how to abide in the vine? Because I promise you, if they learn that here and then leave to go somewhere else, well, now we're cooking. Now we're cooking with gas. That's something. Or they could just like come be a part of a culture. Well, I like the music. You get the point. And we're not set up for that here anyway, right? That's really not our gig. That's not what we do here. But we can lean into the things that we do do here. I just, I just said do do here. <laughs> I, was up, I was up last uh, Holy Week, and I quoted on Ash Wednesday week or whatever, and I, I, I said we are, we are but dust, and to dust we will return. And my family has not let me live down. We're but dust. <laughs> So now it will be doo-doo. So there we go. At least my son wasn't up here. Um, that's my great closing, everybody. But dust and doo-doo. But it is nice to make this a little practical. So here's the takeaway. The takeaway is don't just like come up with some really mechanical formula to the takeaway is this is when we talk about intentional relationships, what's the how-to of discipleship? Hopefully something like this. It can be a million other things, and you can shape it and change it, and our different commissions will express this in different ways, and I'm sure Jeremiah and Megan will talk about all of this in different ways, but there's a general outline here of following, making sure I have an intimate relationship with Jesus that I understand and I engage in when times are good, when times are bad, 
When things are crazy and stressful, I engage in this. It's a part of my life. And then I can actually show that. There's a physical participation. I could show, I could mentor somebody. So when, 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 when Jeremiah talks about a, a, a Timothy and a Silas and a Barnabas in your life, these are relationships where this kind of pursuing and modeling and teaching is the expected exchange. We are following Jesus together. What are you hearing? What are you learning? How are you responding? I don't know how to do that. Well, follow me because I do, but I don't know how to do that, so I'm going to follow you and you can teach me how to do that. But we're close to Jesus and we're hearing his voice and we're responding to it. Oh, you teach that to somebody, I don't care how old they are, I don't care how long they're here, but if they can pick that up while they're here, good golly, we'll be on something. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we know that you are the one that bears the fruit. We, we so rarely live like that as something we believe. Not because we're just sinful rebels, but because we're human beings. And we are distracted, and we are surrounded by uh, different forms of idolatry at every turn. And uh, we have been... Uh, we have been betrayed and traumatized and abused in relationship. There are so many things that are far from trivial and they impact how we engage all this stuff. This stuff is super, super simple. And it is not easy. It is very simple, but it is not easy. Uh, so Jesus, I just pray that Instead of busying ourselves with complexity, which is what we so often do, we, we try to crank up the volume, we try, to, we, we try to create programs with catchy slogans and really cool strategies. God, it's simple, it's just not easy. Um, but the fruit will come from you, not from our effort not from us gritting our teeth and white-knuckling and doubling down, but by just remaining in the vine with other people. So God, if it's, if it's other people we're missing, then would you teach us and call us to lean into relationships? If it's, if it's, if it's pursuing that intimacy, we've got the relationships, but we're maybe missing the relationship with you. Would you call us to create some space? It doesn't have to be much. It just has to be a little intentional space that you're going to show up in and you're going to fill that space and you're going to bear fruit in our lives whatever whatever happens god would you would you help us to not cut the corner and not miss the things that matter help us to not miss the stuff that matters that your it's your holy spirit that empowers us and bears fruit in our lives god we love you and um yeah, we just thank you for your patience, your goodness, your faithfulness, your love, your grace, your mercy. We want all that stuff to fill our lives. We want to we give it away to everybody else. So help us. Chances are all around us. Would we lean into it with intention and build good relationships? It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.